Hey, I want to give a big shout out real quick to my boy Carter. Carter, stand up for me, Carter. Everybody say, what up, Carter? Now, guys, is that not the coolest shirt you've seen all day? Okay, Carter, thank you. God bless you. Carter, I'm sorry. I should have asked you before I made you do that. But, man, he's got the shirt. He's got the cowboy hat. Right there, ladies, is the perfect man. If you're thinking, what does a man of God look like? I think I found him. Uh, well, hey, friends, let's do this. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Tonight, we're going to continue our little mini-series by looking at another great hero of the Christian faith. Now, so far, who have we talked about? We've talked about Noah. Noah. And then this morning, we talked about Abraham. Abraham. Anybody want to take a wild? guess. Who said it? Joseph, stand up, stand up, stand up. Right there. Look at that. Now, ladies, ladies, he doesn't have a banana shirt on, so don't be interested. Okay, don't be interested. Hey, so tonight we're going to talk about Joseph. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now we're going to talk about Joseph. But before we do, I have a question for you. Here's the question. Does anyone in this room tonight have any siblings? Raise your hand if you have siblings. Okay. Now, if you have siblings, okay, put your head down. Put your hand down. If you have siblings, would you please raise your hand if you get along with your siblings all the time? Okay. Okay, we got a couple liars. Hands down, hands down. Now, would you raise your hand? If you fight with your siblings all the time, goodness gracious. Now, friends, I'm going to tell you a true story. When I was in high school, this was in uh, BC days. Anybody know what BC days means? Before Christ days. So before Christ, me and my sister, the eldest of my sisters, her name's Morgan. Me and Morgan, uh, we used to fight all the time. And if you know Morgan, uh, she, I like to say she's like an angel but like a fallen one, right? Like I love her to death, but me and my sister, goodness gracious. So before we were both saved, we would argue with each other all the time. And I remember I was a sophomore, joining my junior year of high school, and her and I got into this petty argument, right? We were in her room, and I don't remember what we were arguing about, but we were yelling at each other. We weren't Christians, and so we were saying things we shouldn't say. We were calling one another names. The, the fight was honestly getting pretty ugly. My dad came, and he, he broke it up, and my dad is a big, bald, buff dude. So when he says, shut up, you shut up. And so I walked out thinking, ha, I won that argument. And I thought it was over. But then that night, this is what my sister did. My loving, angelic sister. That night, my sister went in her bedroom. She got on her phone. She opened up Instagram. And she created a new Instagram account under my name with my picture. And then she proceeded. It gets worse. She proceeded to follow almost every girl in my high school and DM them to admit to each of them how much I deeply loved them. Now here, yeah, 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 this was an issue. Now here was the problem. Most of the girls she direct messaged had boyfriends. And so needless to say, when I went to high school that next morning, there were a couple pretty angry dudes on campus who were looking for me. Later that year, this shows you the, the, the content of our relationship. Now I do love my sister, but later that year, we got in a fight right before school. I don't even know what the fight was about, but we're yelling, we're bickering, but we had to run to school, and so the fight never was finished. Now honestly, the fight had kind of skipped my mind. As I went about my day, I didn't think about it. I, I didn't give it much time. But then I got home one day after wrestling practice and I walked in the house and my parents were sitting in my living room. And they were, it was honestly, it felt like an intervention. They were sitting there in their big chairs and they said, Monty, that's what they call me. 
They're like this. Mani? Yeah, I know. You need to come sit down. And so I'm thinking, holy crap, someone died or they got my report card, so I'm going to be the one who's dead. And so I sat down with my parents, and they looked at me, and they said, well, Monty, something happened today after school. And I said, well, what happened today after school? They said, well, your sister came home, and, and, uh, and she wanted to go to Sonic with some of her friends. And so she asked if, if, she, could, if she could take your car. And um, somehow, Monty, she was in the parking lot, and uh, she ran it through a brick wall. <laughs> Now, to this day, my sister claims that that was a uh, accident, but knowing how my sister is, I'm pretty sure she did it on purpose. Now, here's the thing, friends. I make my sister to look out kind of like a punk, but I could dish it out as easy as I could take it. Honestly, I was really good at taking my sisters off when we lived at home with one another, but here's what I've discovered. No matter how much I ticked them off, no matter how upset they got at me, no matter how much they disliked me in a particular day, you know what they never tried to do? They never tried to murder me. Right? That didn't happen a single time. I never woke up with my sister above my bed with a knife. That just didn't happen. But friends, the same cannot be said of who? Of Joseph. Now, let me ask you guys this. All you Awana kids. Anybody here on Awana kid? We got any Awana kids? Anybody get that? What's that? What's that? Ty, what's that award called? When you're, anybody get the Timothy Award? Okay, I didn't get it. I got my first crown. We got to tell Timothy Award winners. Let me ask you this. Awana kids. Who was Joseph's daddy? It was Jacob. Now, Jacob had how many sons? He had 11, 12 sons. And of his sons, who was his favorite? It was Joseph. In fact, do you remember what gift Jacob gave his favorite son, Joseph? What was it? It was a coat of what? It was a coat of many it was a coat of many colors. Now, think about it like this. Joseph's brothers, his older brothers, they're all walking around in these, like, brown, dingy robes. And then one day, Joseph walks out, and the dude's covered in a rainbow sheet, right, made of silk. Do you think they were a little bit jealous? Absolutely. Let me ask you this. If this upcoming Christmas, right, you go to the Christmas tree, and you're opening all your presents, and you open up a, the first gift from your parents, and it's a, it's a nice, brand new, pure white pair of sketches. What would you do if in the very next moment you looked over to your little sibling and they opened up a brand new pair of Air Jordans? Right? Would you think, would you think, would you think that that would be a little bit unfair? Absolutely. Friends, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Do you think Joseph's brothers were upset with him? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, what's interesting with, to me is do you think, uh, and when I think of the story, I would think that, that they would be more upset with their dad. Right? You would think that they would be more upset with Jacob for showing that amount of favoritism for Joseph. But that's not what Scripture says at all. Friends, when Joseph receives this coat of many colors from his father, the Scripture is very clear. It says that the brothers begin to hate Joseph. And then, friends, that hatred that they had towards their little bro, it only got deeper and it only got harder. Because Joseph, he began to have these dreams. Do you remember those dreams? Listen to this. Genesis. Genesis chapter 38. Excuse me, 37. This is Joseph's dreams. Listen to what he says. Joseph said to his brothers, he says, listen to this dream I had. 
There we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. And suddenly my sheaves stood up and your sheaves gathered around and it bowed down to me. And his brothers looked at them and they're saying, are you really saying that you're going to reign over us? Are you really going to rule over us, Joseph? Verse 9, we skip ahead. Then Joseph had another dream, and he told his brothers, he says, Look, I had another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. So, friends, to kind of make this simple, Joseph has these two dreams. And both of these dreams are promises from God that one day his older brothers are going to bow down to him. Now, let me ask you this. In the ancient world, who would you typically bow down to? You would bow down to a king. You would bow down to somebody who had authority over you. And so essentially, friends, what what Joseph is, is saying here to his older brothers is one day you are going to answer to me. One day I'm going to be the boss. I might be your baby brother today, but one day I'm in charge. Friends, the scripture says the very next thing. It says that Joseph's brothers hated him even more. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever been so upset with your siblings that you said something like, I'm going to kill you? Yeah, absolutely. When my sister said it, I was kind of like, she might mean it. Right. Most of the time, though, when you say that you're going to kill your sibling, you don't mean it. Right. I hope not. But here's the thing, friends. Joseph's brothers, Joseph's brothers did not make an empty threat against him. Instead, the text says that they plotted to kill Joseph. Now, what the word there plotted, what it it literally means is they sat down and they literally discussed how they were going to do it. Now, think about how dark this would have been. You have the 11 older brothers of Joseph. They're sitting down in the field. They're probably supposed to be working, and they're sitting there, and they're they're literally having the conversation. How are we going to kill our little brother? Are we going to strangle him? Are we going to stab him? Are we going to stone him? Are we going to beat him with a club? How are we going to do it? Now, obviously, as readers of Scripture who know the whole story, did Joseph end up getting murdered by his 11 older brothers? No. Instead, what did they do? They showed him mercy. And they sold him to a group of passing Midian slave traders. Now, friends, we don't know how long Joseph was with these Midian slave traders, but we do know that eventually he made it to the land of what? He made it to the land of Egypt, and he was sold to a man named Potiphar. Now, Scripture describes Potiphar as essentially a a general in, in, in Potiphar's royal guard, which meant that Potiphar had an incredible amount of wealth and influence. He was a very important person. And honestly, friends, all things considered, when you look at the time in Potiphar's home, Joseph, he had it pretty good. Though he was a slave, Potiphar was a really good master. Potiphar trusted Joseph. He believed in Joseph. He gave Joseph authority over his household. I heard one preacher say that sometimes it seems that Joseph is more like a son to Potiphar than he was a slave. Friends, in Potiphar's house, Joseph had it pretty good. In Potiphar's house, it may have begun to seem for a moment that his life was turning around. But then things take a turn for the worse. Listen to what happens. This is Genesis chapter 39, verse 6. The scripture says, Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Now, I'll be honest, friends, when I read that, I have to wonder if I was a Bible character, how would the Bible describe me? It would say Monty was average and kind of chubby. Okay, that's probably it. Ty, 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 how would the Bible describe you? Balding, strong, questionable humor, and that's it. Okay, praise God. 
Right? Listen, listen again to how Joseph's described. He says, the text says that Joseph was well built and handsome. The dude looks like Chetting Tate Yum. Okay? The dude's got six pack abs, probably got massive biceps. He can probably hit two plates at the gym. He's probably one of those weirdos who grunts every time he squats. Right? Joseph is a good looking dude. And so listen what happens. Genesis 39, verse 7. So after some time, Potiphar's wife looked longingly. Friends, the word there for longingly essentially carries this, the same meaning as lusted. Potiphar's wife began to look lustfully after Joseph, and she said to him, sleep with me. But you get back to the very next verse, and here's what it says. But he, Joseph, refused. Joseph refused. But then listen to this. You keep going in the story. Verse 10. But Potiphar's wife was persistent. And so she spoke to Joseph day after day. In other words, she kept asking Joseph, please come sleep with me. Please come sleep with me. Please come sleep with me. But again, he refused to go to bed with her. Now, friends, I know that some of you are in middle school and you probably haven't had health class yet. So we're not going to get into the birds and the bees here. Okay. But we probably all know what's going on. Right? She's not simply asking Joseph to come have a little sleepover. They're not going to watch Gilmore Girls all night and eat popcorn. Right? She wants to have an affair with Joseph. She wants to take Joseph, a man she shouldn't have, and make him her own. But friends, every time she asks and she begins to plead with Joseph, our boy says no. But you see, the thing with Potiphar's wife is that she had probably been never told no in her life. You ever meet people like that? They're kind of spoiled and they're entitled and they think that the whole world is theirs? That is Potiphar's wife. And so listen to what happens. Genesis chapter 39, verse 12. This is what she does. She grabbed him by his garment. She grabs Joseph by his coat and she says, sleep with me. But leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. Friends, what happened here in this passage is if you read it in the context of Genesis 39, is she gets Joseph alone. It says the servants, they had all gone out and it was just Potiphar's wife and it was, it was Joseph. And the text says that she essentially walked up and she grabbed him. And the idea is that maybe she used some authority she had as one of his masters. She said, you're going to sleep with me. But Joseph ain't going to sleep with her. And so what's he do? Is he essentially, he leaves his clothes behind and he runs out of the house as fast as he can. Friends, not only did he run out of that house, but he ran out of that house butt naked. Right? He wasn't going to sin. But check that. Now imagine, imagine, imagine. Imagine if you were Potiphar's neighbor. Right? You're chilling outside. I don't know what kind of plants they had in Egypt. You're watering your... Egyptian plant and all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh a naked Jewish dude wow you don't see you don't see that every day <laughs> friends obviously Joseph's story shh, 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 Joseph's story is not over there you see Potiphar's wife do you think she was a little bit ticked off yes. absolutely and so she goes to the servants and eventually she goes to her husband and this is what she said she says that Hebrew you brought into our house that Hebrew, he came in here to make a fool of me. Essentially, she said that he tried to defile me. She said he tried to rape me. Now, friends, in ancient Egypt, there was no type of there was no type of legal system. There was no type of representation. Joseph was a slave, and so he had no rights. There was no trial. There was no jury. There was no judge. All Potiphar simply did is based on the word of his wife. He went and he threw Joseph into Egyptian prison for arguably the rest of his days. Now, we don't know exactly how long Joseph was in prison for. 
But Jewish historians claim that he was in prison for at least 12 years. Now, friends, 12 years is an incredible amount of time. Let me tell you all that has happened to me in the last 12 years of my life. I got saved. I graduated high school. I graduated college. I became a pastor. I got married. I had a kid. I got a house, had another kid, had another kid, got fat, got skinny, kind of getting fat again, went back to college, lost a little bit of weight, got fat again. Now I'm having another kid, right? In 12 years of my life, so much has changed. And so just think about this. Think about all the life that Joseph had missed out upon. He didn't get to start a family. He didn't get to find a woman to fall in love with. All because a woman falsely accused him of a crime that we know he did not commit. Friends, you look at Joseph's story and it seems like this guy cannot catch a break. You look at Joseph's story and it seems like there's one bad event after one bad event. But let me ask you this, friends. Was God done with Joseph? No. You see, this story kind of takes a turn for the better in prison. Now, we're not going to spend a ton of time here for the, sake of, for the sake of time, but towards the end of Joseph's prison stay, we know that two gentlemen were thrown in prison with him. Who were they? The baker and what else? The cupbearer, the royal baker and the royal cupbearer. These men were thrown into prison with Joseph, and these men had two dreams. Now, these men didn't understand what their dreams meant, but Joseph, he, he offered them an accurate interpretation of what was going on. And it ended up that Joseph was right. And so to make a long story short, because Joseph was known to have the ability to interpret dreams correctly, correctly he was eventually bought, brought into service in, in, into Pharaoh's home. You see, Pharaoh himself was having these dreams. Listen to Pharaoh's dreams. He was having this, he was having this dream in, in, in Genesis chapter 40 where these seven fat and healthy cows, they were grazing by the Nile River. And all of a sudden, seven unhealthy and, and ugly cows, they would come up and, they, and they, would, they would consume the healthy cows. Now, nobody in, in Pharaoh's house, who, mind you, is the most powerful ruler in the world, nobody in Pharaoh's house knew what was going on. They had no idea what these dreams meant. And so he brought in Joseph. And Joseph, because he was a servant of the living God, had an accurate interpretation. And he tells the Pharaoh, he says, the seven fat cows represent seven years of plenty for the land of Egypt. But then he says, the seven sickly cows, those represent seven years of famine. Joseph said, your country is going to be blessed, but a famine is coming. And the text tells us, friends, that Pharaoh approved of Joseph's interpretation. And soon after, Joseph was made second in command to the entire nation of Egypt. And so think about this. Joseph went from a little boy who was sold into slavery by his brothers to a servant who was wrongfully accused and thrown into prison for 12 years of his life. And then finally, he became second in command to the greatest nation of his day. Now, you might be wondering, why does this all matter? Well, friends, what Joseph's story teaches us is this, is that God always keeps his promises, but sometimes God's promises take time. God always keeps his promises, but sometimes that promise keeping, it takes time. Now, do you remember what it was that really ticked Joseph's brother off? What was it? It was the dreams. It was the dream that one day they would bow down to them. Friends, that's exactly what happened to Joseph when he became second in command of Pharaoh. The famine had hit the land where his father and his brothers were. And so they came to Egypt. They came before Pharaoh. They came before Joseph and they asked for some food. And in the passive, Joseph reveals to them who he is. He says, I'm your brother. I'm alive. And what do you think his older brothers thought in that moment? Man, we're done. Friends, they became afraid. And what do you think they did? They fell on their face. 
that dream that Joseph had as a child, the promise that God had made him that one day his brothers would bow down to him, it came true. It just took 30 years. Friends, God is a promise maker and he's also a promise keeper. But sometimes it takes time for him to keep his promises. You know, we talked this morning about Abraham, these different promises that, that God gave Abraham. We also talked about the promises that God gave you and I as Christians. Here's another promise. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is the Apostle Paul. You probably all know this verse. He says, we know that all things work together for what? For the good of those who love God. Friends, that is a promise to all believers that all things will work out to our good. But I will be the first one to admit to you tonight that I do not always believe that promise. I'll tell you what, friends, a little over a year ago, actually, it was a year ago today. I was sitting in my bedroom at home. You guys, the church was at camp. I'd fallen asleep that night, and I had this pain in my body. I had pain for a couple weeks. I'd been sick and sick and sick, and I just couldn't, I didn't know what was going on. It was the middle of the night. It was 1.30 in the morning, and I woke up because I felt like my heart was about to come out of my chest. And so I literally fell out of my bed. Couldn't breathe, couldn't see. And I reached, and I began to search in the, our little uh, nightstand in our home because my wife had a blood pressure monitor and a heart rate monitor. And I put the heart rate monitor on, and my, my heart rate was sitting right at like 295 beats per minute. And I sat there. I couldn't breathe. I didn't know what was going on. And so I called my wife in the room, and she didn't know what was going on. So my dad, who's a trained paramedic and, and first responder, he came in, and he didn't know what was going on. I went to the hospital. They ran tests. Nobody knew what was happening. And so for the next two or three weeks of my life, guys, I didn't do anything. Literally, this time last year, I'm 26 years old. My average resting heart rate for three weeks was 150 beats per minute. I couldn't walk on my own. I couldn't keep food down. I couldn't sleep at nighttime. The most sleep I got over the course of three weeks was two hours at a time. I went to a half a dozen different doctors. Now, when that happened, I was, I was pretty private about it, but I did tell some pastors, and I told some friends. And I'll never forget... I hadn't left my bedroom in five days. Hadn't really walked in five days. Hadn't gone in the bathroom by myself in five days. And my best friend came over. He said, Monty, today you're going to walk. And so he picked me up and he took me outside. I felt like a dog getting exercise. His name's Ben Krupa. He's this big boy. So he grabbed me, picked me up, took me out of the house, and we just walked blocks around my neighborhood. The entire time I was shaking, my Apple Watch was freaking out because I thought I was having a heart attack. And I'll never forget, Ben grabbed with his big hands, he grabbed the back of my neck, and he says, Monty, I want you to know something, buddy. He says, all things will work out for the good of those who love God. And the very first thing I said to Ben... I said, Ben, you know what, brother? I know that. But right now, I don't believe that. Friends, that's a year ago today. And let me tell you something. God worked that for good. I'm closer to God than I've ever been. I love him more than I've ever been. Yeah, thanks. Friends, God promises to always keep his promises. 
But sometimes his promises take time. You know, oftentimes in our dark world, it is so easy to believe that God has forgotten you and me. Friends, I guarantee when Joseph was riding away in that Egyptian jail cell that he probably thought for a moment, oh man, where is God? When Paul wrote Romans 8 from a Roman prison, he probably had some doubts. Friends, if there's anything I can leave with you tonight, it is this. Even though at times you may feel like God has forgotten you, he never has. He promises to keep his promises. He promises to always be with you. He promises to never leave you nor forsake you. Friends, our God is a promise keeper. He was always with you. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that I'm better off than I was a year ago. Lord, I thank you that you kept your promise in my life. Lord, I thank you that you worked those dark three weeks of my life for your good and for my good. Lord, we thank you for the story of Joseph. And Lord, right now I pray for anyone here tonight who's doubting you. Lord, I pray for anyone in this area tonight who, who, who feels like maybe you've left them, that, you, that you've forgotten them. Lord, I pray that you would remind them tonight that you will never leave them or forsake them. Jesus, we thank you for this sweet, sweet time together. Lord, we thank you for the privilege we have to open your word and study it. We love you, Lord. And all God's people said, amen.